Batman Universe Podcast, your source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast, episode number 74. I'm your host, Dustin, and today we have with us... This is Nick. This is Melinda. This is Dave. And for this episode, Nick is actually our guest host, because this is actually going to be Nick's last episode with the Batman Universe Podcast, and he's got a very interesting feature when we get to that point later on in the episode. But for those of you who might not have ever listened to this podcast before, this podcast is the batmanuniverse.net's podcast that deals with movies, TV shows, merchandise, video games, and general news. General news is really everything that's odd, but also mostly Batman Live as well. So, in this episode, we'll be covering everything that happened in the month of March, to include any news of The Dark Knight Rises, any episodes of Young Justice that aired, things like that. We also have a new segment, which we talked about last time, listener Q&As, and we do have uh, an email that was sent in that we'll talk about a little later. And then, as I said, we'll get to the feature. So, let's get right into movie news. If you make yourself more than just a man... If you devote yourself to an ideal... Then you become something else entirely. A legend, Mr. Wayne. A legend. The movie news, really the the big news out of March was The Dark Knight Rises. There really wasn't any other news related to any other movies, but there was only a couple different things that happened related to The Dark Knight Rises. On March 6th, GQ posted up a quick article talking with the costume designer Lindy Hemming about what we can expect in The Dark Knight Rises, and she basically said that Bane's outfit was meant to look like a cross between a dictator and a revolutionary. She designed the coat herself, and it took a year, and they took inspiration from a Swedish army jacket and a French Revolution frock coat and aglimented the two. So we've already seen that jacket. That's the jacket of him holding the Two-Face, or not Two-Face, but Harvey Dent photo on top of the Batmobile. Needless to say, she's done an amazing job in the last two films, and I'm sure she is going to do an amazing job this film as well. It is a pretty awesome-looking jacket, actually. I think it, it, if the film goes down well, it could become quite an iconic film jacket. One of the things that she's done really well during the last two films is made it so you don't feel as though you're watching a movie. You almost just feel as though you are watching these people. And even looking at this picture of Bane with the jacket on, you don't look as though you're watching a character. You look like you're just seeing someone who has chosen to dress that way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, she made the Joker, of all things, actually look just like someone who could be real. And, and that's what I think with Bane's outfit and what I've seen of that as well, is that it looks like someone who could be very real. And, and yeah, it looks quite effective. All right, the next bit on March 18th during the WonderCon convention in California... DC announced that there will, in fact, be a MAD magazine that is themed around The Dark Knight Rises. Now, this has happened numerous times with the past Batman movies, but this is just confirmation that there will, in fact, be one come this June-July. Moving on to the next bit, and really the last bit, this could be a spoiler for some, so I I strongly urge you to fast-forward a couple minutes if you are not wanting to find out a spoiler about this. But there was a small spoiler reported that we've we've reported in the past, but it seems to be have made true. Through the production notes for the upcoming Warner Brothers film, Wrath of the Titans, Liam Neeson was named in The Dark Knight Rises. It specifically says Neeson next appears in Peter Berg's action or battleship, and he will also be seen in Christopher Nolan's much-anticipated action thriller The Dark Knight Rises. Now, Warner Brothers is not commenting on this discovery, but they're not denying it either. Ultimately, what this means to me is that, well, we just know that Liam Neeson is going to be in the film. We don't know what role he's going to play. We assume it'll be Ra's al Ghul, but will he come back from the dead? Will he appear in a flashback? I guess only time will tell. 
Yeah, I remember there were rumours of them shooting a scene with Liam Neeson, which I think a few people got photos of, which must have been maybe six months ago, something like that. So I was, I've always been expecting him to make an appearance in this film, and I would put money on it being a flashback. I, I'd be surprised if Nolan's going to go down the coming back from the dead route, but who knows, as, as Dustin says, we'll find out soon. But yeah, so it wasn't really a surprise to me. It's finally been confirmed. Good to have Liam Neeson back on board. I thought he was great in Batman Begins. This was just the worst kept secret of the entire film, but I'm I'm excited that I guess it's it's finally official. Like Nick, my money is on flashbacks because I can't see Christopher Nolan bringing him back using a Lazarus pit. I just can't see that happening. Yeah, we're three for three on that. I honestly think it's going to be a flashback to the idea of a Lazarus pit in the Nolan universe is pretty far-fetched. If it was Joel Schumacher making the film, I suppose <laughs> everyone would be brought back by a Lazarus pit and... 10 seconds or less, but yeah, I'm really happy to see him in this film. He was fantastic in Batman Begins, which is my favourite Batman film, and a lot of that does have to do with him, because I do like Liam Neeson in general. He's actually quite a good actor and has done quite a good number of films, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him and what role he plays out, in all honesty. Alright, so that is all of the movie news. Let's move right into TV news. Tornado's memory files and my superior processing speed allow me to anticipate your every move. Emoc's emosib, Adilov nil. Tornado never knew my moves. And I bet you've got some good ones. Well, sorry, that may have come off a little too wally. <laughs> I don't mind. Let's start off with something besides Young Justice. Um, at WonderCon in the middle of March, there was a DC Nation panel, and they obviously talked a lot about... Young Justice and Green Lantern, the animated series, but they also talked about the DC Nation block of programming, which shows off a lot of the shorts that they have. They showed off a number of glimpses at some of the upcoming shorts. Some of those shorts featured Animal Man, the Doom Patrol, and Super Best Friends Ever, among others. Lauren Faust, who is the creator of Super Best Friends Forever, was present and talked about the dynamic of working on Super Best Friends Forever and how it is an interesting thought of what these characters go through in their lives. The biggest mention was that the hardest thing to do is to fit everything into 75 seconds, which seems to be the standard length of these shorts. Second season of shorts are already being worked on as we speak. After talking Green Lantern, Greg Wiseman and Brandon Vietti talked about some of the upcoming things for Young Justice. A clip was shown featuring Clayface, Blue Beetle, and the Flying Graysons. Season 2 will feature nine different alien races from the DC Universe trying to invade Earth. Season 2 will show off 62 new characters. They also mentioned that the second season could begin airing as soon as April 2012. No information about the new Batman TV show was given as the moderator declined to talk about it. It was also mentioned that some of the shorts have the possibility to become a full show if they have enough support. So, pretty interesting information out of that. As far as the shorts go, I'm looking forward to the Animal Man one. I want to see how they do that. That's a lot of aliens invading. <laughs> Alright, and then the other news before we get to the Young Justice episodes was on March 28th, the first details on Beware the Batman were revealed. Cartoon Network sent out details for Beware the Batman. This is the first official news since it was first revealed that a new Batman series was in the works back last October. They provided a teaser image, which you can check out on the website, and they are clearly using CG for this series. The description for the actual series is, A cool new take on the classic Dark Knight franchise. Beware the Batman incorporates Batman's core characters with a rogues gallery of new villains not previously seen in animated form. Along with backup from ex-secret agent Alfred, the lethal swordstress Katana, the Dark Knight faces the twisted machinations of Gotham City's criminal underworld, led by the likes of Anarchy, Professor Pig, Mr. Toad, and Magpie. Produced by Warner Brothers Animation, the action-packed detective thriller definitely redefines what we have come to know as a Batman show. Featuring cutting-edge CGI visuals to match the intricate twists and turns of the narrative, Batman steps out of the shadows and into the spotlight for an entirely new generation of fans. With Warner Brothers Animation's Sam Register executive producing and Batman Beyond's Glenn Murakami and Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated's Mitch Watson producing, Beware the Batman, based on characters from DC Comics, is coming soon to Cartoon Network. 
So that's the description. The other thing was that the show is expected to begin late this year and could most likely follow the last few years trend with premiering in November and new episodes beginning in early 2013. This also means that there is most likely a panel featuring this show this year at Comic-Con International. Well, it looks like this show is going to be extremely different to any other series. And a lot of people have always said that, you know, you can't copy the animated series. You need to do something different. And that looks like what they're trying to do. My only worry is that this is going to go a bit too far away from everything that Batman stands for. I believe in one image, Alfred has a gun. Something like Katana is going to be his sidekick. Some of the villains they've got involved sound quite unusual and also the cgi i i don't know what to expect with that it could be excellent i remember in the brave and the bold there was a a clip with batgirl with cgi that looked fantastic but i've also seen a little bit of this new green lantern animated series with cgi and i was not very impressed by that at all so no idea what to expect with beware the batman but at least there is a new show coming and it's going to be different so i suppose that's a good thing CGI really isn't my cup of tea, so I'm not I'm not super excited about the animated style of the show. I am really excited that they're doing some new villains. Like I love Professor Pig in Streets of Gotham. I know not a lot of people did, but I thought he was a pretty decent villain. The only thing I'm worried about is, like Nick said, the still with Alfred with a gun, the fact that they're calling her a lethal swordstress katana. If she ends up killing people on the show and Batman's okay with it, I just don't see how that's going to work. Yeah, I've just seen the image recently with Alfred with a double pistol firing away and just wondering if Batman's going to be jumping around and snapping necks and just killing people. I'm also not a big fan of the CGI sort of style. I've seen a few episodes of the new Green Lantern and really got turned off by them. I'm a traditional um, animation person. When I first saw the still of it, I actually thought they were going a more anime-looking route, which thankfully they're not, which is... It's a terrible animation style in itself, but I'm willing to give this a shot and see what happens. I mean, you know, there's nothing to say that Alfred isn't firing rubber bullets and, you know, the sword isn't exactly sharp and they're not really killing people, but we'll see what happens. The thing that's interesting to me is they're billing this as the new Batman for a new generation, which I can understand because this is definitely going in a much darker tone than what we saw with Batman Brave and the Bold. The thing that excites me about this is the lesser-known villains. We've seen so many incarnations of the Joker and the Riddler and Bane and Catwoman, and that's not to say that I don't want those characters to show up eventually, but Batman has such a wide rogues gallery with so many rogues, it is going to be nice to see some of these rogues get some screen time and get a little bit more well-known. We all know what happened with Aquaman, with Batman Brave and the Bold, how Aquaman, even though he was an established character, even though he was a character that had a fan base, the fan base for younger fans grew, you know, time and time again every episode that he was on Batman Brave and the Bold. So Batman Brave and the Bold was almost as if Aquaman was the breakout star of that series. So I'd love to see that happen with some of these other villains that, you know, aren't focused on as often. That would be really great. All right, so let's move into Young Justice. There was a total of five episodes that aired in the month of March, and let's go through some of them. The first episode was called Misplaced, and it featured Clarion the Witchboy bringing the wizard, Wotan, Felix Foss, and Blackbriar Thorn to go against Zatanna and Billy Batson. What happens is that the adults and children's were taken, like, basically in different dimensions. No adults in the world with children, and no children in the world of adults. So everyone thought that, you know, something happened to take all them away. The big thing that happened in the episode was that Zatanna put on the mask of Dr. Fate and became Dr. Fate in order to defeat Clarion and the other magic villains. And the downfall of that was that Dr. Fate required someone to wear the mask for definitely, and her father, Zatara, had to become the new Dr. Fate. So that was the big thing that happened in that episode. Alright, so then the next episode, which aired on March 10th, was Kid Flash. He had to basically deliver a heart. Everyone had to go on a mission, but his mission was to take a transplant heart and deliver it across the country. And on the way to 
the delivery, Vandal Savage attacks him, and it turns out Vertigo is actually trying to stop it because the heart is being delivered to Queen Perdita of Velativa, and the Count didn't want her to get the heart because if she didn't get the heart, he would become King of Velativa. So that was the big thing that happened in that episode. On March 17th, the episode Image aired, and Queen Bee's forces in Karak results in the team encountering Garfield Logan, who we know from the DC Universe as Beast Boy, and his mother. And the team figures out that Miss Martian is actually... Her entire human persona is based off of a TV show called Hello, Megan, which Beast Boy's mother actually aired in when she was a child. Miss Martian encounters Simon while they're trying to rescue Karak's president, and she has to revert to her white Martian form. She basically hides the fact that she is not the normal persona that we normally see by knocking them unconscious. and makes Simon go into a catatonic state. Basically, Queen Bee then tells Miss Martian that she has to become a spy, otherwise she's going to reveal her true identity as the White Martian. So that was that episode. The next episode, Agendas, aired on March 24th. At the JLA Watchtower, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman meet with other members of the Justice League to discuss the expanding Justice League's roster. Meanwhile, Superboy returns to Project Cadmus to investigate a rumor by Lex Luthor that there is another Superman clone. He actually finds out that there is another clone and has to fight them. At some point, he learns from Lex Luthor that his DNA is a mix of Lex Luthor and Superman, and that Lex Luthor can shut Superboy down by a simple phrase. Back at the Watchtower, the Justice League finished their deliberations to possible recruits. And then the last episode, Insecurity, aired on March 31st. Artemis and Green Arrow stop an assassination by Black Spider, and then Green Arrow is approached by Red Arrow. Sportsmaster helps Professor Ivo escape from Belle Reve. Red Arrow joins back with the Young Justice team to embark on a mission with Kid Flash, Aqualad, and Artemis to track down Sportsmaster, which results in them battling Cheshire as well. Wally starts to have feelings for Artemis, and then Artemis discovers that Clarion, the Witch Boy, Brain, and Professor Ivo are all working together. Meanwhile, at the cave, the other members of the Young Justice team discover Red Tornado is creating a human body, which he plans on using to blend into the human race. At the end of the episode, Artemis returns home and is confronted by Sportsmaster, who is revealed to be her father. Alright, so... Let's go over some of the interesting things that happened in some of these episodes. In the episode of Insecurity, not only is Sportsmaster revealed to be Artemis's father, but it's also revealed that her mother is Huntress. And Huntress was a vigilante, but a vigilante who killed people. And she went to jail, and Artemis was actually looked after by Oliver Queen and Bruce Wayne, and that's why she is more of a hero type now than she is a villain type, despite having two parents who were bad. The other interesting thing was in that same episode, Black Spider was basically, was a character that almost looked exactly like Spider-Man from the Marvel Universe. It was actually voiced by the same voice actor who voiced Spider-Man in the Ultimate Spider-Man TV show. And after posting the videos online for that episode on YouTube, there was a number of comments by fans stating that DC could be getting a lawsuit from Marvel because of that, because they're so closely related. I have to say to that is, Greg Wiseman was actually the producer on the Ultimate Spider-Man, so for him to do this is kind of like a, I guess a shot at Marvel for saying, look, I can do a show that's just as good, you should have never canceled my show to begin with, and I applaud him for that, because his show, Ultimate Spider-Man, I never actually saw it, but Greg Wiseman is also behind Gargoyles, which is another show that I really enjoyed. No, was he? Oh, like I'll go, so I was going to check. Yeah, it's pretty funny to put them both as the same voice actor. Marvel will be on the phone, and Stanley will be wanting his cut as usual, or a cameo. Alright, so lots of Young Justice episodes. We know for a fact the next couple episodes of Young Justice will be airing in the month of April, so make sure you're checking out Cartoon Network, as well as obviously the website for times for those episodes. They've been pretty consistent ever since DC Nation began back at the beginning of March, with new episodes airing every single week, which means we could actually be seeing the new season of Young Justice air the last week of April. I would like that. Like, as long as they can settle the schedule up in Canada, that would be great, because then I will get to see all of these episodes. It's good that they're working towards it. There's no hope of them fixing the schedule over here. All right, so 
with that, that is going to take us into merchandise news. Whoa, 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 whoa. Lois, this is not my Batman glass. As far as merchandise news, there's not really a whole lot to go over because most of it you can just check out on the website. The big thing is there's already stuff that's starting to emerge related to The Dark Knight Rises, so if you're interested in that, there's already some t-shirts and costumes as well as head knockers, which are basically bobbleheads, and some of the action figures from Mattel related to The Dark Knight Rises that have already been revealed. Also, DC Direct is offering a number of exclusive prints, which you can check out on the website. Some of them are Batman-related. They're showing those off and offering those at conventions specifically. So that's really the big things that, as far as merchandise news, let's get into uh, video game news. Batman's back! Go, 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 go! Amazing, I'm so hurt! Keep talking, brave soul! I'm here to... Naughty little bat. Where do I get one of these? Awesome! Alright, as far as video game news, there's not a whole lot. As far as Batman Arkham City goes, the only news is that they won two BAFTA awards in the middle of March. They won... Best Action Game, and Mark Hamill won for Best Performer for his performance of the Joker. So that was Batman Arkham City news. As far as any other news, no news as far as Gotham City Imposters, but it is available and I've actually played it. It's a fun game. Don't play it for the sheer fact that it's Batman related, but it is a fun game. But definitely not something that you're going to get a lot out of. Don't expect it to be a sequel to Batman Arkham City for sure. Yeah, I enjoyed Gotham City Imposters as well, I must admit. It was a bit of a guilty pleasure play. And yeah, I guess congrats to both Batman Arkham City and Mark Hamill for their awards. Very well deserved. Based on what I saw from Arkham City, the awards were definitely deserved. And I'm happy to see that Mark Hamill got some recognition for that. Now that I think about it, actually, it's a really big achievement to win Best Action Game. Because last year, I think, was one of the best years for video games in general with... Modern Warfare 3, Uncharted 3. There were some massive games last year, and to win Best Action Game is a massive achievement. Yeah, exactly. Gears of War 3 came out. And, yeah. All right, so then the only other game that we're going to talk about is the next Lego Batman game, uh, Lego Batman 2 DC Superheroes. There was a new screenshot that was revealed, which you can check out on the website, and the very first trailer of the game was released as well. And in... What's interesting about the trailer is that it featured voices. Lego Batman in the past and most Lego games don't actually have voices for the characters. It's just the characters acting out in Lego form, but there's never any voices. The interesting thing about this was the Joker was present. The Joker had a voice. It was not Mark Hamill. Some people did think it was Mark Hamill, but it was it was not. Guilty. It was just close to Mark Hamill. And then the other voice was of Lex Luthor, and the voice for Lex Luthor was Clancy Brown, which actually was the voice of Lex Luthor on Batman the Animated Series and Superman the Animated Series. So that was kind of cool to see that. They did say that there is no specific word of who is going to be attached to this game. I'm sure they'll announce it as we get closer to the game's release, which is expected out late this summer. I think I'm the only person in the world who didn't enjoy... The first Lego Batman, it just wasn't the game for me. I found it a bit boring and uh, run out of patience with it. But I know a lot of people love it and a lot of people looking forward to number two. And it sounds like it's a bit bigger with new characters and more of the DC universe. So I I think that's a good idea for Lego Batman. I I hope everyone enjoys it as much as they did the last one. But I'm I'm afraid I'm I'm out of this one. Nick, I think you are the only person in the world that didn't enjoy it. Definitely, yeah. I didn't even play (laughs) games and I enjoyed it. It's just, this is so sad, but it's just the right pace for me. I'm looking forward to seeing who they have as playable characters this time, and I'm just looking forward to this game in general. It's really fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too, Nick, sorry. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it all. I'm actually hoping, seeing as they're bringing in the original voice of Lex Luthor, they're going to be bringing in Kevin Conroy and bringing in a few more people from that animated universe as well. And I must admit, I was one of the people that fell for it and thought it was Mark Hamill. And then Dustin shattered my dreams on the website. 
Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game too, and much like Melinda, I'm really looking forward to see who we can play as. I'm really hoping for a truly expanded DC universe as they're advertising, and hopefully they bring in some of the other more obscure characters, especially with the new 52 out, um, bringing some of those newer characters as playable characters for this game as well, such as, you know, maybe um, Swamp Thing or Animal Man. That would be interesting, but I doubt it. So, All right, so that is all of the video game news. Moving right into general news, the big thing as far as general news goes is on March 16th, Batman Live announced that they are going to be coming to North America starting in September 2012, and they'll be kicking off their tour with a showing in Anaheim, California. They'll also be coming to St. Paul, Minnesota, San Jose, California, Los Angeles, California, Las Vegas, Nevada, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, Rio Rancho, New Mexico, Colorado Springs, Colorado, and Loveland, Colorado. These are all showings that will be September through October. Now, just because this is all that's been announced doesn't mean that's all there's going to be. I believe they stated they're coming to over 45 to 60 cities in North America, and that would include Canada as well as Mexico. So definitely, even if you haven't seen a showing in your area yet don't think that they won't be coming to your area they definitely will be well it's good to hear that news because it was a big success in the uk and i think it's been traveling around europe for the last few months i went to the show last summer i think it was and really really enjoyed it it's certainly more kid orientated but i am glad it's actually going over to america for all the fans over there and i'm sure it's going to be massive success over there as well and pretty fun show so if you get a chance i'd recommend getting some tickets I think either my first or second show was talking to the guys about it, about their experiences with it. And I've been really excited for it to come over to North America ever since. So to hear that they've got over 45 cities planned, that's good news. And everyone please go and see it, because hopefully if it's a huge success over in North America, they decide to bring it all the way over to the other side of the world, and we can see it over here in Australia slash New Zealand. Which, which I'm really hoping they do bring it out. I don't see why they wouldn't, because I really do want to see this show. It does look quite, quite interesting, to say the least. All right, so that is all of the news in total. So next, we're going to start with our listener Q&As. We had an email. It's a rather long email with two questions. So I'm going to read the first question first, and then uh, we'll answer that one and then get to the second question. It's a very long question, so just pay attention, and then hopefully you can give an answer. I have a question that I'm interested in hearing your opinions on, especially now that you reopened your Ask the Batman Universe segment in episode 73. The scenario is Ra's al Ghul versus the rest of the Batman's rogues gallery. Batman, Nightwing, Catwoman, Batgirl, and all of Batman and the Birds of Prey heroes are out on missions elsewhere when Ra's al Ghul decides to do Batman a favor by wiping out the entire rogues gallery. In his own twisted way, this is a sign of respect for the detective. Ra's al Ghul decides to attack Gotham, targeting only the villains and leaving the civilians alone unless they get in the way. Ra's has access to the entire League of Assassins, he also has high-ranking members as his generals such as David Kane, the Sensei Lady Shiva, Merlin, Talia, and the Seven Men of Death. Batman's villains for this fight include Joker, Scarecrow, Bane, Black Mask, Two-Face, Hugo Strange, Killer Croc, Mad Hatter, Catman, Clayface, Poison Ivy, the meta-human version, Mad Hatter, Maxi Zeus, Victor Zaz, the Riddler, Harley Quinn, Hush, Penguin, Dr. Hurt, Firefly, KG Beast, both versions of the Ventriloquist, Calendar Man, Blockbuster, the Calculator, and their henchmen. For this fight, please only use comic book modern versions of these characters rather than the Silver Age or the movie and DCAU versions. The Batman villains must work together in this fight if they want to win. Will they be able to, especially since some of them hate the others? If they are smart, they will first eliminate any potential threat to their survival, such as people who would backstab or betray them. For example, they would likely put several bullets through the Joker's head well before the League of Assassins even gets their since he is likely to turn on them and is too much of a wild card to be trusted. No superheroes can participate in this fight. Both sides have one day of prep for this fight. It all must take place in Gotham City. Roz can't do anything like nuke the city or anything cheap like that, but he, but he does have full access to his resources. Also assume that Roz knows a lot about Batman's rogues gallery, and the rogues know who Roz al Ghul is too. Who do you think would win? 
Since this is a villain fight, no one is going to hold anything back. Also, both sides have geniuses on their team and people who are good at specialized things. For example, Bane is very good strategist and would be more effective doing that than just beating up people. So who do you think would win? Well... <laughs> it's awesome. Someone put a lot of thought into that. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> who wants to go first? Oh, I've got my answer. All right, go ahead. Okay. So, numbers. Sheerly by numbers. The odds are in the rogue's favor. I think that based on the fact that so many of them are just so insane, they are just going to throw wave after wave of people at Ra's al Ghul's side. And I think just based on numbers, they would come out victorious. Even with Master Assassins, potential Lazarus Pits, and everything else that this question would take into account. I would say League of Assassins win simply because they'd be well-organized, better in combat, and they've got a, a leader who knows what they're doing. Whereas on the other side, they don't really have a leader. I can imagine them fighting amongst themselves. And you've got someone like Bane, who, yes, has got some brute strength, but it's all a bit of a mismatch. I would go for the army of assassins over the rabble of villains. Oh, no, I tend to go with the rogues gallery myself as to who would win, again, on sheer mass numbers. And if everyone kind of played their roles... I think, you know, with Bane being a master strategist, and especially if Poison Ivy's in metahuman form, if some of the powers that she's got, she could just take them all out by herself. She just goes psycho-vine on them. Was I correct in not hearing Deathstroke's name on there, Dustin? Deathstroke he did not list. Oh, disappointing, because I would have just put my money on him to kill everyone at the same time, according to the comic series that I've been reading, so... Yeah, no, I, I definitely would go to the Rogues Gallery, personally, based on numbers, based on the fact that they do have quite a number of metahumans in their rank, and with everyone there doing their own individual thing, if it was able to be organised enough, obviously the Joker's got bullets in his head, and, and all those people that, that would betray them and wouldn't work together are dead, I think they could they could definitely take them out. Alright, so my answer to this would be, it would most likely be Ra's al Ghul, specifically because we know that Ra's al Ghul, he's a mastermind, he has done numerous things where it comes to like planning things ahead of time. For instance, during the Tower of Babel storyline, Ra's al Ghul finds out exactly what the weaknesses of all of the superheroes so that he can slowly eliminate every single superhero. It has nothing to do with helping Batman, but it has to do with he's just slowly trying to eliminate all of the superheroes. So in my mind, he would probably do the exact same thing for the villains. He'd find out their weakness and take them out one by one systematically. Now, I think that the problem with the rogues is that the rogues would have too much of a problem working together. I don't know that a lot of these people would be able to actually work together. We've only actually seen a couple storylines, including Hush, where some of the villains work together, but there was more of one person planning and working, telling a person, you have a specific role in this plot, more so than, by the way, we're all going to work together to accomplish this. So, in my mind, I think it would be the League of Assassins, because they're more well-organized, they have more specialized skills, and I think they would be more strategic in their planning and execution of eliminating the rogues. So hopefully, Charlie, that answers your question. The other question that Charlie asked was, how is Josh, Apple, Zach, and the other former members doing? I miss them on the podcast. They were always fun to listen to. Well, I can tell you Josh is still around on the Batman universe. He contributes kind of on the side things that you don't actually see. He helps out with a lot of different things that we're trying to find for comic books and specific stories and things like that. As far as Apple goes, as far as we know, Apple's doing great. We saw him at San Diego last year. He was covering everything related to the DC Universe online game. Zach is doing well. Nick could probably speak to Zach a little bit better than I could. Yeah, me and Zach are doing a film podcast called Film Jive, which we've been doing for just about a year now, in which we just review films. And and Zach's doing fine. He's he's happy reviewing films, and I think he, he might come on the Batman universe at some point. He said he may come back for the Dark Knight Rises review, so you may hear him again soon. So, and then a lot of the other former members, so we still do keep in contact with a lot of our former members. We try to keep them in the loop, and if anybody ever wants to come back, you know, we're always open to that. But even if they're not, I know a lot of them still listen to the podcast and still visit the website and things like that. You know, keep up with everything related to Batman. But I know that, Charlie, you're not the only fan who misses a lot of them. And we're actually hoping that some of them will actually pop back on as guest hosts in the future as well. So uh, we will make sure to tell everyone that you guys are definitely missing them. 
visit the forums. There's a few people. John's on there a little bit too. There's quite a few people that pop in and out of the forums too. If you want to drop in and say hello to some of the former hosts. Yes, that's definitely an option too. Also, John, who used to be on the normal podcast as well, he actually has just taken over Bat Books for Beginners from Nick. So he'll be doing that. And we hope to get him back up at some point as well in the future. All right, so that is the listener Q&As. Make sure if you are interested in hearing us answer a question during this segment of the episode, send us an email at podcast at thebabbinguniverse.net. We record these episodes at the beginning of the month, so if you send an email, we can be sure to get your question answered in the next episode. Also, if there's anybody out there who really thinks that there's a really great guest host who you'd love to see on the podcast, who has something worthwhile to talk about during a feature, definitely shoot us an email, let us know about them, or have the person you think would be interested in guest hosting an episode, shoot us an email and let us know that they would be interested as well. All right, so that is everything. I'm going to throw over to Nick, and he's going to lead up this discussion for this episode. Welcome to another edition of Bat Books for Okay, well, since I knew this was going to be my last episode, and Dustin said I could pick what we talked about today, I was thinking, what is it that most excites me about Batman, that got me into Batman, and it's the movies. So I thought, right, well, it's got to be something about the movies. And then I started thinking, we've got The Dark Knight Rises coming up in a few months. You know, everyone's very excited about it. I'm sure there'll be a lot of talk on this podcast for a few months about The Dark Knight Rises and the effect it's had. But what is going to happen once The Dark Knight Rises has been and gone? Chris Nolan has made it very clear that this is his final film. He doesn't look like he's not going to direct any more Batman films after this. And I'm pretty sure he'll stick to that. I don't see him changing his mind. So I thought we'd talk about where would you like the Batman franchise in movies to go next? What direction? So I was going to ask a few questions to see what the guys think and what they would like Warner Brothers to do next. So my first question was, if Nolan would like to come back as a director, producer, writer, some sort of creative capacity for another film, would any of you like that to happen or do you think after the dark knight rises you know you've enjoyed it all but you've had enough of nolan and you'd like to go somewhere else i think my opinion would be this if chris nolan wants to be involved in some aspect i'm not opposed to that at all as we know after tim burton did his first two films he was offered the director's spot on the third film he turned it down but ultimately he was a producer on the third film now i don't know how much of a role he actually had in the creation of the film but if chris nolan wanted to come back as a producer or even an executive producer on a future batman film and wanted to give his input i wouldn't be opposed to that now i understand that you know most likely what's probably going to happen after chris nolan's last batman film is going to be they're probably going to try to do something different than what chris nolan has done so to say do i want chris nolan to come back if they're doing something different as a writer or a director, I don't know that that would necessarily be a good idea because why would we want to have him do the same thing but in a different tone or something like that? I think at that point it would be up to a new director or writer to do something new and different but still possibly within the vein of what happens with all the Nolan films. If he wanted to come back and produce a new Batman that that would in some way work toward a greater showing of the DC universe. If he wanted to come back and work toward a Batman that, you know, maybe incorporated, not necessarily incorporated other superheroes, but incorporated the possibility that there were other superheroes, I would really be interested in that. I would love to see how he would take on the greater DCU. Yeah, I'm the same. I would like to see him involved in... He's doing the producing work on Man of Steel. I'd like to see him, I don't know, maybe somehow if he's going to be producer or involved in a new Batman project after Dark Knight Rises, maybe hopefully steering it in that sort of direction and tying those in, you know, dropping hints of the possibility of... I'm not saying that we, you know, lead towards, you know, ultimately a Justice League film or anything like that, but, you know, maybe drop hints at that and, and hopefully, even if he writes it or anything like that, I'm not opposed at all to Christopher Nolan being involved in any 
future Batman projects. I have been a very big fan of his Batman films. I think he has been the best thing to happen to the Batman film franchise ever. He's been the best thing to happen to superhero movies ever. Um, His Batman movies have been real game changers for the superhero genre. Without those films, I don't think we would be seeing the success that Marvel is enjoying with their series. They're great films, but his, especially The Dark Knight, have really kind of catapulted those superhero films to another level, and he's brought such a great sense of, I don't know, I don't want to say class, but Put it this way, with a Christopher Nolan, the difference between a Christopher Nolan Batman film and the Marvel films, Christopher Nolan Batman films will win Oscars, and they have. And anything that he's involved in is in that conversation, whether it's Inception, The Prestige, Memento, these were all very critically acclaimed films and were very looked favorably upon. And I think if Warner Brothers got a whiff that he was interested in coming back for anything, they would bring him back in a heartbeat, and I definitely would be happy to see him back in any role at all. Okay, so it sounds like everyone's pretty positive about Nolan sticking around if he wants to. So let's presume that he is not going to be involved in the next one. Now, this is just really fanboy fantasy as opposed to what you think will happen. I want to hear what you want to happen. And that is, what should the next film be? Should they do what Spider-Man are doing at the moment? I mean, I personally find that a bit frustrating, doing an origin story 10 years after the last origin story. I, I find that a bit unnecessary. Should they try and continue Nolan's universe with someone else? Should they go in a completely different direction, but, you know, you feel like you're already in the Batman stories already started and you're just sort of on a new adventure? How do you think they should play with the next film? It just, it could go anywhere, really. I think what they should probably do is they should probably give it a little bit of time. I mean, it's been four years since The Dark Knight came out. I'm thinking they should probably give it a little bit more time, which is going to be difficult because the franchise has been so successful. It's going to be hard for Warner Brothers not to try to get another Batman movie going right away. Now, if they decide to go right away, I don't want them to do another origin story. I'd like them to either try to stick with the same origin, and no matter how The Dark Knight Rises ends, there's always a way to do another story, maybe, say, within the, you know, middle part of the Nolan trilogy, or, for instance, you could do something where, of course, it all depends on how The Dark Knight Rises ends, but if, for instance, the film doesn't end with a finality and ends open-ended where it could continue on with further adventures of Batman, I say just continue in that same vein. Do some more Batman stories with the same origin that Nolan came up with. Do the same, you know, use the same, not necessarily, obviously I doubt the same actors are going to be in the film, but use the same ideas that Nolan came up with to continue because that's what's made the franchise so well. And what I think in my mind is if the formula is not broke, don't fix it. Dustin had exactly the same point that I was going to make. It really depends on how The Dark Knight Rises finishes. I'm not. Unlike Dustin, I'm not opposed to another origin story. I don't want to see one, but I'm not vehemently opposed to it. If they feel that the story they are telling is worthwhile, if it's original, you know, by all means, tell it. But I... I I just want to say, I'm not necessarily opposed... I'm not completely opposed to it. I'm just opposed to it right away, that's all. And for arbitrary reasons. Right. Right. Okay. So we actually do agree. If it doesn't end with you know, Bruce Wayne dying, then, yeah. Which I must have, I, I find that hard to believe they're going to kill him, but that's I really hope time. they don't. Yeah, that's, that's a whole different, different question. You know, recast Bruce Wayne, use Eric Bana, and call it a day. <laughs> yeah, I am pretty much opposed to another origin story. I'm a fan of films where we jump right into the middle of it and then the origin story is told through flashback or through story plot devices and that's what I would like to see if they wanted to do a reboot itself. Now I would like to see them take a break, a long break in between series, number one, so they're not confusing the general population. Most of the people would just assume it's going to be the exact same continuity and universe because they don't pay attention to any of that sort of stuff and then we're going to get Batman Forever. Honestly, I had this conversation with my wife a little while ago. We were talking about it, and I actually, during that conversation, said I would actually like to see them go a completely different route than another set of movies. I think what could really help the Batman franchise in general, expand it out, 
introduce the general population to new characters would be to actually develop Batman into a television series, much like a 10 to 13 episode HBO or FX style series, what they're doing with like, say, a Game of Thrones or a Sons of Anarchy, where it's, you know, a crime sort of based drama series. We've got different storylines. We're involving different characters and we're doing these different long arcs over a 10 to 13 hour stretch. I reckon that format of Batman, you know, a gritty, realistic, live-action Batman television series with, you know, good budget behind it. And I'll be television at the moment. It's just so fantastic. I mean, something that isn't being done. We're not talking, you know, CW-style high school drama, you know, where Batman's being played by some Taylor Lautner-style action hero, quote-unquote, with, you know, he's got the girlfriend in high school and everything else, like realistic, gritty Batman. You know, he's got a Robin, he has Nightwing. You could, you know, develop Commissioner Gordon correctly. It would be a really good way to reintroduce the Joker because no matter how long you do it, someone's going to want to do the Batman film and bring back the Joker, and it's inevitably going to be compared to Heath Ledger's Joker in film. At least in television, you do have a kind of clean slate in that regard with different characters. You could reintroduce Oswald Cobblepot, you know, Penguin, Harvey Dent, Two-Face, and you could really get into the psyche of a lot of these different characters. And I think actually that might be a better way to go as opposed to doing more films. I'm not opposed to seeing more films, of course. I'm a big film fan and I'm a big Batman film fan, but... Yeah, as a total fanboy, I would love to see it developed into a serious television series. Not 22 episodes or anything like that. I think 10 to 13 episodes. If you want to lift from the comic arcs and do something like that, you know, you could always do, once you get your first season established, then you could do things like Nightfall, No Man's Land, even some of Grant Morrison's stuff, minus some of the wackiness. And, and I reckon it would actually make for great television, personally. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good idea. We've actually spoken on this show before about a show similar 10 12 episodes something like that which would be those years where bruce wayne is training which there's not much story there as to what he was doing how he learned his stuff i think that would be a great area for a tv show and for some reason they seem very restrictive on the amount of media they can do for batman i think it's because nolan's got a bit of a tight control on it but oh yeah i think a tv show would be a really great idea actually and then Two more questions. This question is, in the next film, whatever it is, is there a particular director that you enjoy at the moment that you would like to see have a go at a Batman film? And is there a particular character, could be Robin, could be a villain, that you would love to see on film? Could be one, you know, you could want to see the Joker again, or maybe someone who's not been done before. So director and character you'd like to see in the next film. As far as director... I can't think of a specific director off the top of my head. Although, if they wanted to go completely outside the box and do something just really good, let's try live-action The Dark Knight Rises, directed by Clint Eastwood instead of Batman being played by Clint Eastwood. That could be interesting. Ooh, that's an interesting choice. But that would be, you know, Clint Eastwood has done a lot of high-drama movies recently, but he, he knows how to do action, too, because he's directed action movies not the blockbuster action movies, but action movies too. But if you look at it from the perspective of what did Chris Nolan do before he did Batman? He did Memento, he did Insomnia. Those weren't big budget action movies either. They were mostly, you know, the action drama movies. So I think Clint Eastwood could probably do something interesting with that. Other than that, there's some other directors out there that I think can do a good job, but the problem that I run into is, like, for instance... Peter Berg, I think he tries to add too much humor. And to me, I think the humor is something that I just... You can add it in small doses, but I don't want to have too much humor by just trying to, you know, appeal to somebody who's not there for the action or the, you know... It's an action movie for a reason. It's not comedy. But then also at the same point, maybe somebody like... The director who directed Wanted, I unfortunately cannot pronounce his name, and I don't want to butcher it beyond belief, but I think he did a great job with Wanted. I don't know the source material of Wanted, but I thought that Wanted was a very good movie that portrayed action and drama in a very equal sense, and I think that's one of the things that needs to happen with the Batman movies, because it's not just, you know, let's go kick some butt, it's, let's also, there's a whole story behind what's happening, and I think Nolan has done that very well, and they just need to find a director who can do that equal balance of drama and action. As far as a character I'd like to see in the future, I would love to see a Batgirl or a Robin, 
Although I really would want to see it done properly. I don't want to see a 12-year-old playing Robin, but at the same time, I don't want an 18-year-old just becoming Robin. Maybe if they figure out a way to kind of, like, move the timeline along. They could, uh... Maybe skips a couple years or something like that. They could bring Chris O'Donnell back. <laughs> or not. <laughs> He's not busy. Um... <laughs> Or not. Let's just say what they could do is if they had a film where it like it kind of hints at or shows Bruce going to Haley's Circus at the end of a film, and then all that needs to happen is the next film skips, you know, six years, seven years, eight years into the future or something like that, and then show, you know, maybe a flashback kind of like what Dave was talking about as far as the uh, origin story goes for Robin without having to deal with the whole awkward, you know, 30-year-old guy with a 12-year-old ward type thing because that is awkward no matter which way you look at it. You figure out a way to kind of skip ahead where the character has been in the role for quite some time and has grown up but is not this rebellious character that doesn't want anything to do with Batman because he wants to be a hero all by himself. Or you could do that but then change the character to Nightwing instead of keeping him Robin, and then the next film making him Robin still. So, I mean, that's the thing that I think I'd want to see, especially with Batgirl. There's, I think, a lot more stories could be played with Batgirl. I also think the idea of spin-off films where it relates to heroes within the Batman universe, but not necessarily falling on just a Batman story could be interesting too. If we had a Batgirl film or a Nightwing film or even a Robin film featuring on somebody besides Dick Grayson, maybe Tim Drake, I think those could be interesting because Batman could be this character that's kind of like in the shadows like he always is, but the story is focusing more on this character that the film's all about, Batgirl or Robin or Nightwing or somebody like that. There's, and that's not to say those are the only characters. There's a ton of other characters that you know, are still within the confines of the Batman universe that could be interesting as well. I have always wanted to see Robin done properly because my first Batman film was Batman and Robin. And I, I know that that was just a horrendous oh. butchering. Yeah, I know. I cry about it every day. <laughs> How did you stay a fan? <laughs> I, t I took 12 years off. No big deal. So I, I really would like to see Robin done properly especially because he has become one of my favorite characters in the comics. But I think that the director that you bring in really does need to be contingent on the character that you're bringing in because, you know, Justin was talking about adding too much humor in. Well, more humor is going to be appropriate if you have Dick Grayson in there because he's, he's a joker. He likes to keep things light. Someone who is better with a darker tone of film is going to be better for Tim Drake because... He's very serious, very steady. So it's tough to say which director I would want brought in, but I would love to see the story of Nightwing becoming Nightwing on film. I wouldn't mind seeing a lighter version of the story, and I think one way to do it would be to completely, and it would be a way to turn the complete franchise on its head film-wise, would be to do the story of Dick Grayson becoming Batman and Damien as Robin, and basically there's your origin story right there, and then you tell flashbacks of how Bruce Wayne died. You do it in a trilogy, and that would be an interesting way to do it, I think. In terms of directors, Guillermo del Toro was someone who came to mind, who directed Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, or maybe even Peter Jackson depending if you want to go really epic with it and make it a five-hour movie, a la Lord of the Rings. Anyone but Michael Bay um, I would be quite happy with, personally, or Kevin Smith, because it, it, it goes one or two ways. Michael Bay's pure explosions and Kevin Smith's would be Batman talking about his junk pretty much the whole movie in Star Wars, and then the action scenes would be him running off screen, you'd hear the noises, and then him coming back to finish the conversation, which would be quite terrible. I don't know. Whoever, in terms of the characters, I'd like yeah, other than the Dick Grayson Batman, who would be interesting. I'd like to see actually if they're going for still a realistic sort of thing, maybe a film where I don't know. I, I'm pretty big on Deathstroke. I'd like to see a Deathstroke as a sort of assassin for hire as a villain. Maybe you know being paid by someone like the Penguin would be interesting. You know, then you get your action fix with a Batman film. But for me, and the kind of tone of film I would like to see, I would, I reckon they could do a Batman film, which was very much like Arkham City, in that you can introduce Nightwing and Robin, and people know who these characters are. I mean, 
people were more than happy to, you know, play them on the video game and everything else like that. And if you just give a brief explanation, oh, yeah, you know, this is Nightwing, he used to be Robin, you know, introduce them as major characters without having to do a specific origin for all of them. I think that could work, especially as sort of a, a team film as opposed to just a strictly Batman film. That would be pretty good. Cool. Well, it sounds like the Batman family would be very popular. My choices would be I'd like to see another person have a go at the Riddler. I think there's a lot of actors I can think of that could do a really interesting Riddler, very different to... And, and I think it you'd have a very different one. A bit like Heath Ledger's Joker was very different. I think you could get a really different performance out of someone. I was Hush, maybe. I think Hush could be quite an interesting villain on film. And then my director of choice would be Adam West, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then my final question, this isn't really related to the future films, but Melinda brought it up, and I'd just like to hear what people think. Does anyone actually think that Bruce Wade is going to die? at the end of The Dark Knight Rises? Because my vote is definitely no. My thought is this. They keep saying this is the last film, this is the last film, this is the last film. The only way you can say that this is the last film is if the main character is dead. I understand it's the last film for Chris Nolan, but the thing is they keep saying this is the last film of the trilogy, this is the last. It's not as if, okay, this is it, but then what we're going to do is we're going to make another Batman movie in four more years, and it's going to follow the same continuity that these three films followed. Yeah, but at the end of the Back to the Future trilogy, no one no one died there. Right, I understand that. I just think the problem is that if they're saying there's a lot of conclusion, it wraps a lot of it up, everything is contained within this trilogy, I think the problem with that is if you wanted to make another Back to the Future now, you could. You could make a Back to the Future 4 because it didn't end where you can't, you know, you can't do another film. I'm not saying that I think they're going to kill him because I think it would be a horrible decision on their part to actually kill the character. I would say if they did kill the character, I say all the accolades are theirs because I think that would be completely unexpected by everyone. I mean, some people think it could happen, but I don't think the mass majority of people believe that they're going to walk in to see The Dark Knight Rises and walk out realizing that Bruce Wayne is dead. At the same time, I also don't think that they think that Bruce Wayne is going to hang up the call and never be Batman again, which at this point we already know is pretty much going to happen in the beginning of the movie and since the movie takes place years later after The Dark Knight. But if they did kill Batman or they did kill Bruce Wayne at the end of the film... Not only would this take superhero films again to a whole new level, but also it would be in that, you know, it would be more likely to be for Oscar contention because of what they did, because it's so unexpected. That aside, do I think they're going to do it? Probably not. I don't know how they're going to finish off this trilogy, but I think it'd be a bad decision on their part to kill the character off just because they have to know that this is the most lucrative franchise that Warner Brothers has right now. Harry Potter is over and done with. They're not rebooting Harry Potter anytime soon. Warner Brothers doesn't have any other franchises that they can keep making movies for and keep banking on the fact that they're going to make profit from them. So because of that, I think it'd be a bad idea to kill the character and then only a couple years later reboot the character or give the character a new origin story and then do it all over again. Because I think ultimately give it a couple more years, people are going to get really, really tired of them doing the reboots of these characters. The entire audience has already kind of wanered from some of these superhero movies or movies based off of comic books, where some of the characters that have gotten films have done really poorly, much worse than expected, because it's kind of like fatigue from all of these years of so many movies not being done well. Now, the Batman movies have done well, but... At the same time, I think, give it a couple more years, give it another Avengers movie, another Thor movie, another Captain America movie, another Iron Man movie, throw all those superhero movies in there. People are going to get tired of it, and they're going to get sick of it. And I'm sure we'll see another Spider-Man sequel in there somewhere as well. There's also probably about three other characters from the Marvel Universe. You know, there'll be another X-Men movie. They're filming that at the end of the year. All of these films, people are going to get tired of superheroes. The advantage is that Batman was around in movie form way before this giant chain of superhero films have you know sprouted in the late 1990s, early 2000s. So the advantage is, do they kill the character and then reboot it at the same time everyone's going to be going through even more fatigue? Or do they just 
have the movie have finality or whatever, and then down the road do something else, but give it longer than just a couple years. I'm not sure how much I trust Christopher Nolan to not kill Batman at the end of this, because I always go back to what they said, embarrassingly enough, in Scream 3, about the trilogy aspect of this. Trilogies are all about taking something that you thought was true from the start that turns out to not have been true the whole time. Now, I have no idea what that could be. I don't know, you know, what surprises they're planning on throwing at us in this. But I think for the reasons that Dustin pointed out, I don't think it makes sense to kill Batman or to kill Bruce Wayne and to reboot the series again in a few years. I think that you know, a lot of the articles I've read in the past year or two have been about how Hollywood has no new ideas and how, you know, 20 years ago, X number of movies were based on original ideas. And, you know, in the last few years, so many fewer movies have been based on original ideas. They've been remakes or reboots or adapted from books. So I think that within the next few years, there is going to be a backlash against the reboots and remakes. And I think that If Warner Brothers is smart, they're going to do their best to avoid that, especially because they really have no other viable property. Their last Superman movie tanked. They're not going to make an Aquaman movie. As much as I would love to see a Flash movie, they're not going to make a Flash movie. So I going to make a Green Lantern sequel? Yeah, I didn't bring that one up, (laughs) because as much as I would love to see it, that's a Ryan Reynolds thing and not a Green Lantern thing. (laughs) And I'm honest about that. That was the But, you know, they have no other properties that they can really say for sure, oh, yes, we make this movie and it will make money. So if if they want to be smart about Batman, they're going to leave it open for them to maybe five years down the road. Yeah, you're going to have to recast Batman, but you're not going to have to go through the origin story again. You can pick up where they left off or pick up five years later. It all really does depend on the end. What Christopher Nolan's managed to do with this Batman series, I've said it before, is he has created a game-changing series. He has created a series where a superhero-based movie is is an Oscar contender movie. Everyone says that the Dark, and I completely agree, that the Dark Knight was robbed from a Best Picture. That is the difference between his franchise and everybody else, to the point where his franchise transcends that superhero genre. I would not put it out of the realm of possibility for him to kill off Bruce Wayne. What I actually think may happen is that they may kill off quote-unquote Bruce Wayne in where Bruce Wayne himself appears to be dead. And it would have been something he would have set up where he's that duality thing, you know, where he's Batman and Bruce Wayne's the mask. Well, what happens when you kill the mask? They could possibly go that route which would be interesting, and that sets up a whole different thing way you take the film franchise later on for a new director to come in. I don't like the idea of them killing him off, though. I really don't, like, completely proper killing him off. The idea of, and I've read stuff like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's going to come and take the cow. Um, that does not interest me at all. I don't know. I, a part of me thinks it would work. Like, I'm a big film buff, and the idea of them killing off the main character in a film, if it serves story line purpose is a very good way of telling a story. There are many, many films where the main character has actually died and it has served the film in such a good way where you couldn't have done it any other way. One that pops to mind, you know, you've got Braveheart, the original script for Rambo called for him to actually get killed in the end of the first one as well, which would have served... Spoiler! (laughs) Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it already, it's only 30 years old. Yeah, the main character dying isn't so much of an issue, but it would kill Warner Brothers' only cash cow at the moment. But yeah, back to someone else's point before, there is a really big burnout on superhero films. I went and saw quite a few films in the last few months at the cinemas, and everybody has been groaning with these Avengers trailers of going, oh, another superhero film. Didn't we see these guys last year already with Thor and Captain America? Obviously, the Hulk films never really did that extremely well. Iron Man has done phenomenal of course but nowhere near the level that dark knight has done i think that the makers of these films are really burning out the genre in general with the amount that they're churning out marvel is just killing the industry it really is an overkill i think with this hopefully with this avengers film there's a bit of a gap but i don't think there is between this and the next superhero film 
excluding Spider-Man, of course. No, Iron Man 3 is coming out next summer. Oh. No, I'm excited. No, I, I, look, I like the films too, but it is going to get to a point where they are going to start seeing diminishing returns because people are just going to get burnt out from these superhero films and it's going to be a pick-and-choose thing and it's going to hurt everybody in general. I get what they're doing. I strike while the iron's hot. The fact that there are no original ideas, they're remaking every film under the sun. I believe they're remaking Total Recall as well. Yep, comes out this summer. Yeah, the ad looked good though. And I actually heard they're remaking Old Boy as well, which is very disturbing. Well, I think at the end of The Dark Knight Rises, Christian Bale's going to wake up in a bed and it's going to all have been a dream. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I think what will actually really happen is that Gotham... Well, Gotham at the end of The Dark Knight is condemning Batman for being a murderer. I think what's going to happen at the end of this new film is that the Gotham citizens are going to think that Batman has sacrificed himself to save Gotham. Bruce Wayne will still be alive, but for all intents and purposes, Batman will be finished. That's that's what I think is going to happen. But yeah, so that's everything then, Dustin. That's the feature done. All right, so with that, I hope you enjoyed our first episode of our brand new format. There's a ton more things that we're hoping to get done in the next couple uh, couple months leading up to The Dark Knight Rises. I don't want to specifically say what we have planned for next month because I don't want to get everybody's hopes up and not end up following through. But we do have, like I said, some really cool things leading up to the, the release of The Dark Knight Rises related to the film as well as other things. So Chris Nolan's coming on, isn't he? No. Christian no. Bale? No. Oh. Michael Caine. Yes. You guys think way too highly of myself. <laughs> Compliments. All right. So with that, that is everything for this episode. I want to remind everybody to head over to the website and check out all the daily news related to everything that we discussed here, as well as the comics. Be sure to check out the Batman Universe comic podcast for everything related to the comic book world of Batman, as well as all of our other podcasts that we offer on the website as well. Be sure to head over to the forums and become a member. If you do become a member, be sure to email us and let us know that you need your account activated so that we can be sure to activate your account so you can start chatting with other Bat fans. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And we've made all of our social media sites extremely accessible. So Facebook is facebook.com slash Universe, Twitter is twitter.com slash Universe, and YouTube is... The Batman Universe. So you can check out all of our social media sites. There's videos posting up almost every single week on uh, YouTube, and Twitter and Facebook are updated daily with all of the news articles from the website. With that, you can always email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. Those are always greatly appreciated, especially with the new segment Ask TBU. So uh, be sure to send us your emails, and that's pretty much everything. So that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. For the very last time, this is Nick. This is Melinda. This is Dave. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. We'll see you guys next month. Take care. Stay cool. Bye, Nick. I think that was a great job, Nick. Thank you very much. Yeah, right. great feature. Awesome, general, awesome feature, Thank man. you very much for uh, the last four years. I know you'll keep in contact, but I just wanted to say that. Thanks, thanks. It's been fun. It's been fun. And yeah, I'll keep in contact, keep listening, and uh, hope you keep it up, you know? State of um, catatonic. A catatonic state. Catatonic. There we go. Yeah. Wally realizes that Artemis lied to them about the tracker and decides the tracker she used to track Cheshire is the right souvenir. Well, uh, cut that sentence out. What was the guy's name who did Wanted? Oh, Tikma Berbatov or something? Yeah, I'll never be able to say that, so I'm just going to say... The director...